Hi everyone and happy Easter. My name's Mark, I'm one of the ministers here and a particular warm welcome if this is your first time joining us online. Great to have you here as we take a look at one of the eyewitness accounts of the first Easter and see why there's such good news for us today. Earlier on in the week, I was trawling through the BBC Sport website, which is pretty sparse at the moment, given everything's cancelled. But I did come across an interview with Tyson Fury, the WBC uh, World Heavyweight uh, Boxing Champion. And he was being asked about his upcoming rematch with Deontay Welder and when would it be rescheduled for. But Tyson Fury was quick to say that he wasn't even thinking about boxing right now amidst this lockdown. Listen to his words. People are really realising now what's important in life. Sometimes we get lost in the ride of life, thinking about our ambitions and everything, and we forget about the really important things. Families, friends, loved ones, health. In the couple of weeks I've been locked down, I've had time to focus on the things that really matter in my life. And I wonder if you've experienced a similar thing. I know many of you have been reconnecting with friends and family online. Some family members that wouldn't normally say anything on your WhatsApp group chat are now joining in and connecting. And for many of us, although I realise not all of us, our lives are less cluttered at the moment. We have more space and time to think. And as this virus reminds us of our frailty as human beings, so we're wanting to focus in on the things that really do matter in our lives. And so on Easter Sunday, of all days, of all people, I want us not to forget about God, but to reconnect with him, especially as we've not, if we've not done that for a while now. Because as we're going to see, he is the one person more than anyone else that we need right now. So come with me to the passage. If you've got a Bible at home, it's Luke 24. Three things for us to see from it. First, Jesus has risen. He is not dead. He has risen. So in verses one to four, the women go to the tomb where they discover the stone door rolled away, the body of Jesus Christ no longer there, and then two men, angels from God, who say to them in verse five, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Now, if this is true, surely this is one of, if not the greatest moment in human history, that someone has actually conquered death and has an answer to humanity's greatest problem, our biggest fear, the ultimate statistic that all of us, one out of one of us, will one day die. And yet here is someone who has risen from the dead, never to die again. You know, one of the things that the coronavirus has shown us or made more real to us is death itself and how we will all face it. You may have heard about a 13-year-old boy and with no underlying health conditions now succumbing to the virus. And so no wonder we're scared. No wonder we're trying to make the most of life and focusing on the most important things in life because we're not too sure how long we've got. And yet even if we survive the coronavirus, we're still being forced to ask the question, how does anyone survive death? The one thing 
you and I don't need right now is another dead religious leader. We have enough of them already. Who wants to follow a dead person when you're going to end up just following them to the grave? We need someone who has an answer to death. And so if you think of Jesus as a good teacher, you know, a good man, a prophet of God, but who ultimately ended up dead, well, how can he help you? He is no longer with us. But do you see what the angels are saying here about Jesus Christ? That he is not like the founder of every other major religion. That Jesus is not among the dead. He is alive. He is risen. Now, I know that that can sound somewhat ridiculous to modern ears today. But I can assure you that it is just as ridiculous and sounded just as nonsense to people back then as well. I'm not sure if you noticed the apostles' reaction in verse 11 after the women tell the apostles what they've seen in the tomb. They did not believe the women because the words seemed to them like nonsense. I know we can think people were more gullible, more susceptible back then, but that is what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery. No, they know just as much as we know that people don't come back from the dead. It's just as unbelievable back then as it is for us today. And that is why the author Luke goes out of his way to focus in on the details of the story for us, like in verse 12 when he mentions the strips of linen of Jesus lying by themselves in the tomb. Or the way Luke mentions the names of the three women, Mary, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. There were three people, two Marys. No, not that Mary, this Mary, the mother of James. Go speak to them if you don't believe me. The author Luke wrote his gospel within a lifetime of the events that they're describing. 30 years, um, give or take. And he tells us right at the start of the gospel that he has carefully investigated the eyewitness accounts. And Luke himself is a doctor. He knows how ridiculous the resurrection sounds. And so he carefully investigates it all and writes an orderly account, he says, for his friend Theophilus so that he can have certainty about the things he has been taught. And you and I can have that same certainty today as we read this gospel or any other gospel for that matter for ourselves. Many people don't um, realise that Christianity is um, founded upon real, concrete, historical events um, that were seen by people. And that eyewitness testimony was written down for us in the Gospels to investigate for ourselves today. So if you've never read a Gospel, um, could I encourage you to consider doing that during this Easter period? I mean, there's not much else for us to be doing at the moment in the lockdown. And many people think that they know the message of the Bible and yet they read a gospel as an adult and they come to discover that that's not what they thought it was about or that's not what they were taught as a child or at school if, if they were. And two and a half hours, that is all it will take you to read through the gospel of Luke. And with it, the potential to meet someone who has conquered death 
and has the answers to you know, the greatest mysteries of life. Now, that has got to be worth a shot, has it not? So that's the first thing for us to see from this account of the first Easter, according to um, Luke. Jesus is not dead. He is risen. The second thing for us to see is that Jesus has risen as our saviour. Let me read from verse six. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man, that's a title for Jesus, must be delivered to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Now, do you see how the angels tie together very closely Jesus's death and resurrection as they explain what's going on to the women. He must die. He must rise. Because if the women have misunderstood Jesus's resurrection, chances are they still haven't understood what his death was about. Jesus's death was no ordinary death, but a sacrificial death, a death to pay for the sins of the whole world, a death to restore humanity's relationship with God. And so you think of Jesus' birth all the way back in chapter two of Luke's gospel, where the angel announces today a saviour has been born to you. That is who Jesus is. That is why he came to earth. Or you think of Jesus' own words to Zacchaeus in chapter 19. Today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man, there's that title again about himself, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. If you think Jesus was no more than a a good teacher, a moral example for us to follow, then you will never understand Jesus' death and resurrection and the very purpose of which he came to earth, which was to be the saviour we all need. Um, The preacher and pastor D.M. Stearns was ministering in Philadelphia. After one of his services, a stranger came up to him and said, look, I don't really like what you're saying about um, the cross and the death of Jesus Christ. I think it would be much better if you preached about Jesus being our teacher and example. And Stern says, all right, fine. If I preached Jesus like that, would you then follow him? And the man said, yes, absolutely, I'd follow him. And so the preacher Stern said, "Okay, well, let's begin at the first step. Jesus was sinless. He had no sin in him. How are you getting on with that? Can you follow him like that? And, and the man was quick to say, well, no, of course not. You know, I, I sin like everybody else does. And so the preacher said to him, well, that shows your greatest need is to have a saviour, not to have an example. Now, don't get me wrong. We human beings are capable of much good. And we're seeing that right now with all the people volunteering for the NHS, the great sacrifices that are being made by doctors and nurses and people who are keeping this country running for us. But you know, Jesus Christ was, was sinless. Jesus Christ had no sin in him at all. And so if you're trying to follow that example, if you're trying to emulate him, you are always going to feel like a failure. You're always going to feel like you don't measure up, that you're not good enough. You'll be racked by guilt for not meeting the mark. You'll beat yourself up. You'll punish yourself for the littlest of mistakes. (laughs) And it is miserable to live life like that. And because of that, some of us end up then pretending. We think we need to be good enough for Jesus. We know we're not. So we pretend we're good at putting on masks. We're better. At, we're good at making out that we're, we're better than we really 
are. And for some of us, over time, we begin to believe the lie that we're making. And then we become proud and we feel superior than others. And we look down on those who are mucking up and still sinning and making a mess of their lives. We become very sensitive to any criticism because we, we can't admit we're, we're wrong. We live in fear of being found out. We're insecure. We can't be our true selves, which is equally miserable. So I hope you can see our greatest need is not an example. Our greatest need is a saviour. And the good news of Easter is that we have that saviour. One who has paid for our sin. One who has defeated death. One who offers us the forgiveness of our sins and his resurrection power in us if we turn to him and trust in him. Lord, I've mucked up. Please forgive me. Lord, I know I'm never going to measure up. I can't. Please transform me. That is all it takes to reconnect with Jesus Christ this Easter and to be assured of his forgiveness and assured of his power at work in you. Speaking personally, I can say it is a much more joyful way to live life, to know that no matter how much you muck up, as we all do, Jesus Christ is always there to forgive me, restore me. There is always a way back with him. And it's a much more hopeful way to live life because no matter how much we get stuck in a rut with sin, as we all do, or get trapped inside negative thoughts and attitudes and behaviour, there is always a way forward with Jesus Christ. So if you're someone here looking into the whole Christian thing, please do not think for one moment that you need to earn your salvation with God. That is to get the message of Isa and the message of Christianity completely back to front. Jesus Christ came to earth to be your saviour so that you could receive salvation, not try and achieve it. Well, that's the second thing to see about Easter. Jesus has risen. He's risen as our saviour. Thirdly and finally, he has risen as our Lord. Let me read from verse 5 again. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Because this is not the first time that the women are hearing this. Twice in chapter 9, once in chapter 18, Jesus has already told his disciples that he was going to die and that he was going to rise again. Admittedly, not a normal conversation to have with someone. Hey, guys, this is when I'm going to die. And this, by the way, is when I'm going to come back from the dead and you'll see me again. Be like, all right, mate, you know, whatever you say. But Jesus Christ is not an ordinary human being. Um, this title, the Son of Man, that he gives himself speaks from Daniel 7 of a, a person with all authority over all people for all time. And you see that authority demonstrated throughout 
Um, the gospel is Jesus Christ manages to heal the sick, sometimes with just a touch, and he feeds the hungry and he answers everyone's question. Here is a person who can control the weather, who can calm storms, who can walk on water. Here is someone who can bring people back from the dead with just a word. He himself predicts his own death, his own resurrection, and then it happens just as he said it would. Here is someone who knows the end from the beginning. Here is someone who is in complete charge of everything. He is not normal. In fact, he looks a lot like God. Jesus Christ, no ordinary human being, but the risen Lord. And so to have him in your life, it changes everything. Just before I filmed this, one of my children asked me, Daddy, look, when is this coronavirus going to end? She's missing her friends and she wants to see them again. And, and of course, I don't have a, the answer to that question. None of us really do, not even the medical experts or the government. But in the person of Jesus Christ, we have someone who knows the end from the beginning, who is working out his plan of salvation just as he said he would. And no one can stop him and nothing can get in his way, not coronavirus or any other virus or even death itself. I know for some of you it is the uncertainty which is causing so much anxiety for you now over your health, your livelihoods, your future. But if you entrust your life to Jesus Christ, you can be sure that everything is going to be okay because he is the risen Lord and he has everything in hand. And as the coronavirus reminds us of our frailty as human beings and the fact that one day all of us will die, well, again, even then we have nothing to worry about because Jesus Christ has already taken care of things 2,000 years ago with that empty tomb on that first Easter day. So come to Jesus Christ this weekend. Reconnect with him as your risen Saviour and Lord. He is the one person we need right now more than anyone else. So let me pray that for us. Father God, we thank and praise you that on the third day, that first Easter day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We thank you that he rose as our saviour, as our Lord. Thank you for the great reassurance that if we trust in him, have him in our lives, we have nothing to fear from the coronavirus, any other virus, not even death itself. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.